This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Okay, this um, Sunday, we, these past two Sundays, last week and this week, we're speaking a bit about the vision of the church and, um, you know, where we're heading and the challenges and lack of things that God is doing. And we, we're super excited because we don't go to church on a Sunday. We are the church. We don't go to a church on Sunday. We are the church. And so some people are against bigger churches because they feel like, hey, if I'm in a small church, I feel more comfortable. It's a nice community. I know everyone. Um, and I don't like big crowds, but sorry, when you get to heaven, what are you going to say to the Lord? <clears throat> Lord, sorry, I, I don't want to get into heaven because there's a couple of billion people here worshiping you. I'm so unique that I want to be recognized in heaven, you know? So I'm actually against big church if it's not into discipleship, if it's not into building healthy families and healthy communities. God's answer for the world, to reach the world, is families. We're going to look at that tonight and God's Father's heart. Because it's so important that we understand it's not just about gathering, it's not just about equipping people, but it's actually about worshiping God. And so we've done a series on worship where we spoke about, you know, lifting God up, reverencing the Lord, hallowing His name. And this morning we spoke about the Our Father prayer where it starts with Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Everything in your life should be directed to know the Our Father, not the My Father, the Our Father. It's, it's a community. It's a group of people that come together that love God passionately, but they don't just love a God up there, the old man with a stick. They love the Father. It's an Abba Father. It's a, someone they can intimately know and love that protects, provides, gives directions, sometimes discipline. And so there's healthy relationships when we say our Father. But then it starts with, hallowed be your name. We treasure him. We value him. We put him first in our lives. We live for his glory. We live to worship him. That was a great place to say amen. Okay, so, but you are not going to trust somebody if you don't think that that person actually also has your interest at heart. Would you know? Would you agree? You know, we live in a culture that is very suspicious. We're suspicious of the government. We're suspicious of the university. We we're very suspicious of each other sometimes because of competition, but many times just because of a hurt that come out of our families. So you need to know whether you have had a great parents, great family, or maybe you don't even know your parents. You come out of broken homes. I come out of a broken home. There's no perfect family. And so with that baggage, sometimes we come into our relationship with God. And so part of our relationship and pursuing God is to get healed. But not just healed, to actually get restored. To come to the place where you come to God's original intent for your life. The way He's made you, what He died for on the cross by sending His Son, Jesus Himself, dying on the cross for us. He actually gave us a new identity, but then also a new authority. And so there was this question right from the start. He's like, who is God? You know, is he just a God up there? Is he, you know, how do I relate to him? And so if you are new to the faith, maybe you got born again last week. How do you pray? You pray to the Father in the name of Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, so we always say Abba Father. We don't say, oh, God up there like most other religions, because most other religions, including religious Christianity, comes to a God because of a set of rules. But true Christianity comes to God because what He has done, and therefore we have freedom to approach Him. Boldness by the blood of Jesus. And what, a, what an amazing place to be free before Him and say, Abba, Father, where you can run to Him, where you can say, yes, you are my Father, but you're also my King. You're also Lord of my life, and therefore I also reverence Him. I also love Him with everything in my heart. But if you are the president of a country, and you're the son or the daughter of that president, you respect that president also for the office that president has. So if the president of the United States is making a, a speech, you don't just, and you're a little toddler, you can't just run up to the president and jump on his lap while he's making the speech. But at home, that's the place where you relate to him as the person that he is. And so you and I also need to, as Christians, be able to relate to God. But the first revelation is the Father, that he has a Father's heart. And so our vision is to reach nations and generations through discipleship, leadership development, and church planting. You know that there's a study that came out a week ago. 35% of students on campuses all across the world in the last year have suffered with great suicidal thoughts and tendencies. I'm not talking about depression. I'm talking about suicide, talking about heaviness, talking about people that are isolated, people that feel they don't belong somewhere. And maybe it's because they can't go to the pub so much anymore. Maybe it's because they're sitting in their room. And so they're trapped because we are emotional beings. We, we relate to each other. We need a sense of identity and belonging. And a lot of that we find through the friends we have. You know, the number one reason why people backslide out of the kingdom is not because of bad doctrine. It's because of the wrong friends. Young people I'm talking about. It's not because you get deceived, but it's because you have the wrong friends. <laughs> people that do not point you to Christ. People that do not challenge you to follow God. Because it's not an easy road. It's not an easy thing. But when you step into real covenant friends that love you, that challenge you, that say to you what you don't always want to hear, that's when you start to grow. Because all of our relationships is it's supposed to grow towards God. It's supposed to grow in Christ. It's supposed to challenge each other, but there must be an atmosphere of love. You know, there was a, a guy a couple of years ago that was here. He's a father now of three children, but he used to just, every time he came to church, the first time, he was very dear Makar, through each other, okay? He was very through each other, and he was like, he was one of those guys that just couldn't receive a hug, Okay? So the Lord told me, hug this guy. And uh, it was always awkward because it would come, Simeon, come here. Now, no, Simeon is the wrong, yeah, Simeon, but you're the wrong example. Because when you hug Simeon, he just keeps on hugging you all the time, okay? I feel uncomfortable. Stand over there. Okay, but now pretend that you don't like hugging, okay? So you were just standing. This is, this is a faith test for Simeon because Simeon is like a papa beer, okay? But so, so Simeon, you know. Simeon, so when I came, God just said, hug him, and I'll go up, and then he'll just be like stiff. He won't even put his arms around. <laughs> and I just hug him, and I just realized, like, he resists with everything inside of him. And I go, 
you're enjoying that too much. You're not allowed to enjoy it. But in any case, okay, sit Simeon. Okay, but um, after four years, four years, he just started to break down and wept. He said, everything in my heart wanted that hug. Everything in my head resisted it. But the one thing I longed for is a place to belong. And guys, if we catch this, if the church becomes your family and you live in the space of revealing the Father's heart, first knowing the Father's heart and then revealing it to the people around us, I tell you we're going to have one of the biggest revivals. Not through the signs and the supernaturals, but really where the broken people feel they belong. So I'm super excited for COVID. I'm super excited what we're all going through. It's shaking, but Lord, I say shake us more. Shake us in the West so that people will begin to realize that they cannot find their fulfillment in things. They cannot find it by another happening in their lives. It has to connect here in your heart where you belong, where you feel loved, where you feel accepted, where you feel like, wow, there's somebody that loves me and is proud of me, and it's not determined by what I did right or wrong. It's by His choice of me. And there's a broken world out there. There's a broken society. This campus is broken. It looks so nice. Stellenbosch looks amazing when you walk through the streets, when you look at the mountains, but there's a lot of Bunch of broken people. Stellenbosch is a really haha people because people love to pretend yeah. People love to, on their Instagram, show everyone how cool they are. And yet when they go to bed at night, most people are intensely lonely, isolated, and full of fear. And depressed. But God is releasing His joy over His people. I mean, because it's not about what's on the outside. I remember going to Rwanda in 1998. And we did a prayer journey. Uh, there was a massive genocide. A million of people got, got slaughtered intensely. Um, no, that was not the right English word, slaughtered intensely, just slaughtered, okay? They just got killed, but in, 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 in horrific ways. And so we walked into this little area where there was a hall like this, and there were still corpses lying up until the roof because they threw lime over the corpses and tried to identify who all the dead people were. And as we were walking into this little area on the side, I'll never forget it, three ladies came running up to us and just grabbed my, the jacket, my jacket at the back, you know, and just started to shake violently. And I thought like, like a typical South African, first just check my wallet, check my phone, you know, and uh, just made sure all my possessions aren't belonging. And then I turned around, and I'll never forget this lady. She said, you're a Christian, eh? You, you guys are Christians. And I thought, like, what? Yes, we are, I said. And she said, because when you came in here, it was like a light shining. And the way you spoke to each other, the way you loved each other, started something inside of us started to say, like, wow, we want that. And we said, God, if you are alive in all of this darkness, send some of your people here. 25 minutes later or 20 minutes later, we led all three of them to Jesus, introduced them to the lover of their souls. And by the way, we didn't wear a t-shirt, Jesus loves you. We didn't have a fish on our head. We didn't like, hey, turn or burn or anything like that. We simply like loved God and we loved each other. 
And it says, by this they will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so in John chapter 14, there's this crisis with the disciples. There's this crisis in where they're going. Jesus is beginning to talk about the cross. They're very tense. He's going to go up. And they don't want to actually hear anything about it. Because do you know that for most of Jesus' ministry, all of the disciples thought that Jesus is going to come physically and overthrow the Roman Empire. And that's why they said, like, hey, just tell me, can I sit on your left and can I sit on your right, you know? And uh, let's just call down the lightning and strike this down. And let's, let's just rumble Jesus because you have all the power. They love to relate to Jesus as the one with power. Because that's what they needed. They needed power because they were enslaved. They were trapped as a Jewish nation under the Roman rule in that time. So they really wanted, they, they really wanted a showdown. They wanted him to sit on a throne, a physical throne. And so here is this leading up, and in John chapter 14, verse 1, we read about it. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, if Jesus says that, it means there's going to be trouble, okay? I, I love that the, the, the Bible, where it doesn't, it doesn't understate and it doesn't overstate. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Wow. Jesus gives us an eternal hope. Do you know how many times Jesus spoke about heaven and hell? Do you know what a reality heaven and hell is? But the church in the West, we live as if heaven and hell does not exist. But it's a reality. If you do not know Jesus... If you have not committed your life to him, if you're not living a life bearing fruit of that repentance, you will not go to heaven. You will go to hell. And that's the urgency by which Jesus lived. Now, we don't like to talk about it because, hey, you, you can't threaten me with hell. And I, please, don't please don't threaten people with hell. Threaten them with God and say, hey, God loves you, okay, with the love of God. But hell and heaven is a reality. Jesus spoke about it so often. But in the West, we've lost that urgency because there's some stuff we never talk about. We never talk about heaven and hell anymore. We don't talk about the blood of Jesus anymore. There's a lot of stuff we don't like to talk about. Why? Because we heap up for ourselves itchy ears, the Scripture says. We, we only want to hear the prosperity, nice things. But, but Jesus challenged people all the time. And sorry if you're joining this church we're going to challenge each other. We're going to speak the words of Christ. So please read your Bible and freak out. Because everything that you read, even starting from the Gospels, will challenge you. If you read the Bible, you should repent after every time you read and say, Oh, Lord, sinner like me, but thank you for Jesus. Not too many amens. Thank you for that amen. I heard it. amen, yeah. Oh, the Lord bless you. I can't see who you are because you're dark. But praise God, you're in the light. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there, you may be also. Isn't that beautiful? He says, I'm going to personally receive you to myself. Talks about that intimacy. He says, look, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go away. But, but, but there, in my father's house, there are massive mansions. There's a reward in heaven. Please don't live for your reward here. Please don't seek your reward here. 
As a Christian, we live for an eternal reward. And that's why there's going to be two judgments, a judgment concerning heaven and hell, and then there's going to be the white throne judgment, the believer's judgment. And everybody is not going to have access right to the throne room of Christ in the front. You're going to be rewarded by what you were called to do, by your obedience. And so if God called you to be a cleaner of the toilets in the church, and you do it worshipfully unto Him, do you know what? If that's just the little portion He's given you, wow, amazing. But if God has called you to be a great businessman and you're preaching the gospel, you're in trouble. You have to find out what God has called you to do. And you're going to be rewarded. We're going to be rewarded as a church for what we've done or what we haven't done. It's getting very quiet. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, oh, Thomas, Thomas, the guy who said, I'm not going to believe if I don't put my fingers through his hands. Thomas was uh, the doubter amongst them, okay? And do you know what? Sometimes it is cool to go through that because you are human. Don't hit yourself over the head. Just be hungry to find out what the truth is. Sometimes we do doubt. Sometimes we we feel that God, like, God, where are you? Because I don't feel you today. But that doesn't mean that he's not faithful. doesn't mean that he's not God. It just means, like, you feel bad. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it's okay not to be okay. Sometimes it's okay not to have, you know, want to wake up and just want to jump up and down and shout the name of Jesus. Sometimes you're going to go through stuff like that, but it doesn't change anything about him and his commitment. It just, you... And I should align ourselves to who he is. So Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? He says, Lord, give me the plan. I want the two months plan. I want the two years plan. I want the 20 years plan. I want the 200 years plan. Jesus, where are you going with this thing? You know? so, so Thomas and Peter just asked a question that was actually on everyone else's mind. Eh? It's like when you come to church sometimes and you think like, you, I so wish... Johanna was in this service, you know. She should have heard this message really, you know. No, the message is not for Johanna. It's for you. <laughs> oh, if Peter could just hear this, he would properly repent. Well, it's amazing how we always think the other person needs more, eh? It's called that river in Egypt, the Nile, okay? Denial. You, you're denying God's conviction, Okay. Some people camp at that river. Some people stay at that river. Oh, I just made that up. That's amazing, okay? We love the Nile, you know? Don't camp at that river. It's a new saying. Okay, but so Jesus said to him, listen to this, what Jesus says. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He doesn't say I'm going to give you 10 steps to the way. I'm going to give you 10 steps to life. I'm going to give you the, the manual of truth. He says, it's a person. It's me. It's a relationship. So if I'm going to go to Cape Town and Chris, eh? is it Chris? Chris got baptized last Sunday. So Chris, if I say, Chris, come with me to Cape Town. Just get in the car. We're driving to Cape Town. It's, it's easy to go there. If I give you the 10 steps to get to Cape Town, maybe you're going to get lost. Or where's Gabriel? Gabriel from Brazil. He gets lost all the time. Okay? They knew you in Stellenbosch, so they get lost a lot. You know, and the German people. 
But it's just crazy, you know. Where's Gabriel? Is he here? Gabriel, come here. We just have to, we have to show the, you to the people. Gabriel looks like the pastor tonight, you know. Come, Gabriel. But say, say, say hello in Brazilian. Okay. Portuguese. Oi. Oi. Oi, is that hello? Oi. <laughs> Oi. But, but say something more. To the bank. 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 He just greeted you. He said, hey, you're good looking. That's what he said to, to everyone, okay? <laughs> Gabriel, welcome all of, all, of, all of them. But Gabriel got lost a couple of times. Why? Because Google Maps doesn't work everywhere around Stellenbosch, especially if you go over Hell's the Pass, okay? The crazy part is we want all these directions, but we don't want to get into the car with Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Then he goes on in verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Isn't it amazing? He acknowledges, if only we all know the Father, if only we can have it, we're gonna, that's going to be sufficient. We want to know this Father that you are representing, this Father that you're speaking about. Who's, who's this Father? Because it was difficult for them. It was difficult in their culture. You know, many, many of us grow up, in, especially in South Africa, where fathers provide for you. They give you a lot of stuff, but they never told you, I love you and I'm proud of you. And so sufficiency comes if you see the Father. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So it's, it's, it's crazy how, if you want to know the heart of the Father, look at Jesus' life. Look at how he loved people. Look at how he healed people. Look at how he went out of his way to the lepers and prayed for them. If you want to know the heart of the Father, look at the life of Jesus. He's the perfect representation of the Father because the Father did the works through Christ. Now, I've been in some leper colonies in India. I've been in some leper colonies in Malawi, and I tell you, we don't, we don't know what those people go through, the shame, the things. It's literally like your flesh is rot, rotting off your body. And for many of those leper colonies, India has got the highest leper colony in the world. Outcasts of society. And Jesus stepped into their lives. Jesus went straight there where nobody else wanted to go. I've got something to tell you tonight. Jesus wants to get into an area in your life where you are not willing to go. He wants to come in there and be the healer, the restorer, the deliverer. He wants to give you hope in areas where you've lost hope. He wants to reach into your heart in the deepest places of shame. Because the Lord showed me a picture for some of us that's coming to church tonight. That you are great at pretending. I used to be great at pretending because my father only told me he loved me when I was 20, 21 years old the first time. 
I used to be great at pretending. And you know, it's, it's, it's easy. It's easy to keep people from a distance, but it's also easy to keep God at a distance. And so the picture for some of us is like you have this house and in the front areas of your house, everything is beautiful, it's clean. The old houses on the farm, some of you know houses like that. It's got this big living areas, you know. And, and sometimes when the Duomini came to visit us on the farm, whoo, the silver is taken out. The best biltong is taken out. Uh, the best rusk, everything. You know, if, if there's somebody important coming, we never go to the back of the house, eh? In the, there's a place called the scullery. Do you know what the scullery is? It's like a spence. It's like an area at the back. And so people hide stuff there. And sometimes they close that door and they close all the rooms. So when the visitors come, we just show them the front part. Never do that with Jesus. Jesus doesn't come through the front door. Sorry. Jesus comes through your back door. Because he starts to deal with your mess. Some of us have closed the doors and we've taken the keys and throw away the keys to those places of hurt or pain and Jesus wants in he wants in that area of your life but will you allow him because he's a gentleman he comes knocking on the door and says hey I want to come in I want to eat with you I want to feast with you but only if you allow me because he wants to bring the father's heart to you he wants to reveal who the father is now listen to the promise he says most assuredly I love scripture. Like I said, it doesn't overemphasize. It doesn't underemphasize. It says, most assuredly. Now, I don't know what you say. Definitely 100%. Most assuredly. Not just assuredly. Not just 10% assuredly. Not just 15% assuredly. Not just 50% assuredly. Most above assuredly. Do do you understand? So this is quite important that he's going to say now. Most assuredly. I say to you, turn to your neighbor and say, most assuredly, not least assuredly. He says, when, when you have this connection with God, when you start to believe what Christ has done, that he is the way, he's the only way, he's the only truth, he's the only life. There's no other gods, there's no other way how you can go to the Father except then through him. If you know the Father's heart, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, The works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Wow. We've not seen the church. There are some areas of the church that is living out that scripture. He says, if you connect with the Father's heart, if you connect with this way that I've made, do you know what it's going to do? The church is going to see greater works, but it's not because you're focusing on the works. It's not because you want to write a book about every miracle. The miracles just flow out of your life. It flows out of this relationship because why? Your sufficiency is in knowing the Father. It's not in doing His works. And so he says, what's going to begin to happen if your sufficiency is not in the world, not in doing things for God, but because you know His heart, you and I are going to do greater works than what he has done. And Jesus did amazing stuff. But the most amazing stuff was in his heart, the way he lived, the way he he loved people. 
the way he loved his father. He says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. So he says, I, I want to I I start to show you when you connect with the father in this way, you're going to automatically start to live a life of obedience because he says, if you love me, then do as my, as I say, don't just tell me you love me. Don't just, it's not an emotional experience, but you're going to tap into the source of sufficiency. And then what's going to begin to happen, you're going to do greater works. You're going to ask in my name and you're going to begin to understand the power of that name that is the way, the truth, and the life. You're going to unlock doors for other people to enter in. And you, as the family of God, are beginning, going to begin to restore others. The church is going to be an ark, a modern-day ark for people to run into, to be rescued, to be restored, to be loved, to, to, to go and change the world. And that's what he says. But he says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Obey me. Because now, why? Because your love, because your sufficiency is in Christ, I want to please him. I want to just obey him. Because, hey, now I found the treasure, so I'm, I'm going to just love him with everything. And now I'm going to start to do what he wants me to do. Not because I must, but because I want to. I, I, I love the bride of Christ. Why? Because Jesus loves his bride. I love the church because why? Jesus loves his church. He loves his bride. That's why you cannot speak badly about the bride of Christ. Because he's very passionate about his bride. And then he says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. Say the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then he promises again, he says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will, I will, make, I will abide with you. I will make my tabernacle through the Holy Spirit in your heart. That's why your, your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. He says, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to go away. I'm going to prepare this place for you. I'm going to be this one that goes before you. But you know what's going to happen? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is going to energize the church, inspire the church to do those greater works. You can't do it in your own. He's going to be the helper. The word there is parakletos, the one who comes alongside you to help you. Not the one who drives you from the back, not the one who jumps in front of you, but the Holy Spirit comes alongside you. And he begins to help you. He begins to show you this relationship with the Father. He begins to show you how you enter into the works of Christ. He begins to, to become your best friend. Because it's a person of the Holy Spirit. And there's so many people, so many churches today that is ignoring the work of the Holy Spirit. Some people call them cessationists. Some people call them like, hey, deep hyper-Calvinists. But they just say like, hey, no, we just, we, Scripture is great enough and we will understand God and that's good enough. No, it's not. Because Jesus said, I'm going to go away so that I'll send this helper to you, to everyone, the paracletos, the one who makes you understand the Father, but also do the works of Christ. But the world cannot receive him. The world doesn't understand. Because there's another spirit in the world. That spirit is a spirit of my, myself, I. Preserve myself. It's just about me. Survival of the fittest. And then Jesus, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Through my spirit, I'm going to make the Father's heart known. And that's why Romans 8 says, that's the spirit that cries in me, Abba, Father. 
There's a cry in your heart of, you have a Father in heaven, and some of us are going to be set free tonight when we open up those back doors, when we begin to say to God, God, come through my back door. Don't come through my front door. I'm, not, I'm going to stop pretending with you. I'm going to, even if you're a Thomas here tonight, even if you're a Philip here, Lord, show me the way I've lo- I'm lost. Lord, how are we going to do this? Yeah? Those are great prayers because it shows your brokenness and your vulnerability. Because Jesus never gave us the easy way. You know, he says, I'm not interested in your comfort. There's some scriptures I have to rush now. No, he didn't, wasn't interested in our comfort. He, wasn't, he told us there's going to be persecution. He told us there's, we need to bear our cross. But this beautiful word we find in the book of Hebrews, when he talks about Jesus going in front of us, it's the word forerunner. Hebrews 6 talks about it. It says, like, he's going to be your forerunner. He's going to be the one that goes before you. you know? and the, the picture is, was like with a Roman army or battalion they always would send three or four people out in front of the battalion to run and make a way to see if it's secure and safe. And the crazy part is those three or four would most of the time die if there was an ambush or something. But they were running ahead of the battalion to check out the road, to check out, can we, can we actually go this way? Or should we take another road? Or is there an ambush? Or is there? So that's the forerunner, the one who goes before you, the one who's made a way. And so that's why you find many scriptures that says, even every temptation that comes your way, God already made a way. <laughs> he already made a way out of that. So don't give the devil too much credit in your life. Sometimes we blame the devil for stuff he's never done. We actually give him credit. And he says, thank you very much. Just for our own foolishness, our own stupidity. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. He's the forerunner. It's like, like, you know, we have like, uh, say, the Tour de France, and you have this guy cycling in front, or the marathon runners that, that is the pacemakers, what do you call it, pace, the timekeepers, and they run in front of you. They break that wind. They break the headwind so that you can run easily in the slipstream. So that, that's the picture of Christ that has gone before us. That's who we look to. Because he started to show us the heart towards the Father. And it's so exciting when you're a Christian because your whole life you're going to begin to discover who he is. <laughs> but he's finished the race. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, he's finished the race. But you still need to study. <laughs> amen. Not too many amens. So the exciting part is when we... When we begin to enter into this love relationship with God, what begins to happen, God also begins to give us love for the people around us. It's called the family of God. It's called the bride of God, you know. And there's so many people that are just moving out. I'll say it again. The local church is God's answer to reach the world. It's his local representation of a family. Lots of people say, like, no, shouldn't all churches just get together? In Stellenbosch, there are so many churches, you know? No. Because each one represents a certain flavor of God. And that's why it's important that you get planted in a church, because that church, you as an individual will go grow through seasons, but as a church, we will grow through seasons. And so if you just hop around, you're going to be in trouble. Because it's like the trees in Victoria Street. They don't say like, Merriman is better. 
Let's go plant ourselves in Merriman. And then you find, no, the water isn't so sweet underneath Merriman because those people, they, they, they're too close to the engineering faculty. Let's go to the other faculty. And here we go down, you know, and you see every week the trees jump around here through the streets and say, oh, let's go to the sweetest water. Now that tree must break its roots through the clay. Sometimes there's hard clay, and then you find lots of water again, and then you need to go deep. But you know when these massive winds come, that tree is planted. And you need to be planted in Christ, in His Word, in His family. You will not withstand where the world is going. There's a tsunami of depression, negativity, selfishness, coldness. The Bible says in the last days, people will have a hardness of heart. They'll be cold in their love. They'll heap up for themselves itchy ears just with fancy doctrines of prosperity, but will not. They'll, they'll just go to places where they want to hear what's nice for them, what satisfies them, but that's not the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ is where we say, God, I love your body and because I love you, and you know what? I want to create a space inside of my life and my sphere of relationships where people that are outside can come into the ark of your love. They can, they can be rescued to come and find a safe place of belonging. Listen to this in Psalm 68. Verse 4 to 6, it says, Sing to God, sing praises to His name. Extol Him who rides on the clouds by His name, Yah, and rejoice before Him. So it says like, hey, our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Sing to God. But once you've opened up to sing to God, what do you begin to connect with? Who is this God? He's a Father of the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. Is God in His holy habitation. If you really start to worship God, it's not an individual God, it's an our Father God, and you begin to realize He's hot for the broken, for the lost. He wants to defend those who are fatherless, those who are widows. That's why it says good religion is to look after widows and orphans. We have many widows with us in church. Some of you students must Come and volunteer at yeah, the kids' church, and then you become a daddy to that child. You say, hey, I want to love you. I'm going to hug you. You already have that opportunity, just in church. But you know what we do? We become selfish in our relationship with God because, hey, it's just, it's just so nice, you know. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious, the individualism, the ones who are just doing things for themselves, dwell in a dry land. Isn't that a beautiful picture? God says, whatever has happened in your life, I want to start to use you as a trophy of what I can do through those great works through you that I'm going to start to do. I'm going to show the world what I can do with a broken person. And your life, your testimony, your legacy becomes a trophy that God can say, hey, or it becomes an ark where people can run into and say, hey, that's who God is. And that's why Jesus could say, like, hey, I know you're looking for the Father, but just check my works. Just check what I'm doing. If you don't believe me, then believe the works that I do. 
because it shows the heart of the Father. Does your works, does your life point to the Father? Does it represent the Father well? Does it bear fruit of His love? Because that's true Christianity. Some of you need to start orphanages. Not just think of your nice house at the sea and retirement. I was so glad the other day I was spending time with Angus on the farm. And he said to me, if you put me in an old age home, I will personally sort you out, he told me. And his older son. He's 74. And we spoke about the next 10 years of what he's going to do. And I thought like, hmm, I like that. Bring it on, Jesus. But we settle for retirement. But may your retirement benefits be out of this world. Eternal rewards, amen? Apparently they took, I think it was Napoleon, they took him, he said when he died, I can't remember exactly what it was, one of these big kings. They told him like, put, put my body in a casket, in a wooden box, make two holes on the sides, and let my hands hang out on the sides of this funeral casket. And then you take my body all over my whole empire, and then you let somebody walk in front and say, he came into this world with nothing, and he left this world with nothing. Sorry. You leave this world with nothing. The only thing you leave with is relationships. Relationship with God and relationship with those that you introduce Christ and the Father's heart to them. May that be your life call. Because we are deceived and we are conned into thinking like my sufficiency will come through things or through exploits or through great miracles. No, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Show me the heart of the Father, Lord. Break my heart for what breaks yours. It's a scary prayer to pray. But the challenge, the, there's also another father. Did you know there's only two fathers? Spiritual fathers in your life. It's either, either the father of truth. That's why it's called this, he sends the spirit of truth. Or he's the father of lies. And as long as you and I believe the father of lies about who he is, what he says about your life, what he says about your future, what he says about me, what he says about us together, when we believe those lies, we are trapped. We are almost, in a sense, disqualified to ever see the greater works that Jesus promised. Why? Because we become captive to the lies. And so some of the writers in the New Testament says like, hey, some people have been, captive, have been taken captive by the devil to do his work in their lives. How do you get captive by the devil to do his work in your life? It's simply by believing the lies he speaks over you, by believing the lies he speaks about who God is. And that's, that's the thing that he started with, with Adam and Eve, the deception. Deception always starts with like, is God already good? Did God really say? Deception at the heart of sin in your life. The heart of sin in your life, let me say it frankly, is because you don't believe God is good and you don't believe what God says about your life. That's why we sin, because we opt out for something else that we think can give us sufficiency, and it's only God, the Father, that can give us that sufficiency. 
So don't believe the father of lies. Don't believe what he said. And sometimes he uses people over your life. I'm going to end off with a story. So we, at this um, School of the Supernatural, we did a, that we're going to do in October again, is where we just teach people about the gifts of God and the fact that, hey, God wants to use you. God wants to take care of you. And in the church where we edify each other, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can read about all those gifts, the nine gifts. And so a couple of years ago, I was just like, a, I think, trying to be a nice pastor, loving Jesus, reading the Bible, loving his people. But God started to challenge me about a lifestyle of the supernatural because I read the scripture. Greater works. What does that mean, Jesus? Greater love. Greater. And so I was embarking on this journey of having a lifestyle of the supernatural, trusting God every day, just every day, one divine opportunity to reach someone to pray for them, trust God for a healing or a deliverance in their lives. Because it's just the love of the Father that He wants to show to people. So when I stop at the petrol station, I didn't just throw in petrol. It's a ministry opportunity for the petrol attendants. When I stop at the shop and there's somebody at the door, hey, can I pray for you? It's as simple as that. Just ask, can I pray something for you? Most people never reject prayer. 95% of people that I've asked, can I pray for something, has always said yes. And so, trusting God for the lifestyle of the supernatural. And so then, I trusted God for words of knowledge and started to pray over people. And some of them were accurate. Some of them were completely off. Some of them were like, ooh, if I was in the Old Testament, I would have been stoned. You know, false prophet galore. You know, but in any case, I said, God, I, I see it in the Bible. I'm going to do it. That's what you said. And then came the big test. About six months, nine months into this was at a pastor's conference, and this. so we're talking about community development and helping people and all that stuff, and the next moment, a guy that I know stands up in the middle of the meeting, and he says the following. He says, I just want to submit something to you, and I know it's got nothing to do with this. Now, there's a lot of my friends, pastors also sitting there. I think they were just too shocked to respond in any way, but so, so he says like, I just want to submit something to you that we rather, you know, this, this words of knowledge that see us flows in. But I wasn't even part of the conversation. Flows in is from the devil. It needs to be tested. It's so off. And we need to put him, and, and now he's going off, you know. He's going, doo -doo 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 -doo, and I'm standing there. I'm thinking like, is, is there another pe person called see us in this room? <laughs> you know, <laughs> this, we're talking about community development, and this guy is taking me to pieces, you know, he's just going out into my character, it was about 15 years ago, you know, I was like, what? I couldn't believe, and I know the guy who's saying all of this, and the one lie after the other, the one lie after the other, you know, and uh, <clears throat> I was so shocked, I couldn't say a word, I could literally not say a word, there was the nicest eclairs and milk tarts afterwards, all that stuff, I was so nauseous, I couldn't eat that, I was looking forward to eating all that stuff, that's why most pastors go to places like this, you know, because there's nice food afterwards. I was so nauseous about what this guy said. I was so shocked. I, I've, it was like a directly, and everybody was just silent, and then the chairperson just went on with the story. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, was, was this just a horror movie that played out? What just happened here? <laughs> Long story short, so I'm driving in my, my car. I'm like tense. My wife is sitting next to me, Louise, and I'm literally weeping. I'm just weeping and saying, I just don't know what happened. It feels like somebody put a lot of knives here in me. 
and, and I, now I want to get better. And beautiful wife that I have says like, are you vindic- going to vindicate yourself or are you going to trust God to vindicate you? Yeah, I'm just snort and trawn just all over the place. But you know, this guy was wrong. He was wrong. He was wrong. And God says like, she's right. The wives are always right. I mean, but in any case, so here we go. Long story short, that night, in a dream, God spoke to me. He said, do you know what? The father of lies will many times come. So sometimes you have to listen to the accusation of the devil and then go and do the opposite. So the next morning I stood up, I said, Lord, I'm going to pursue this word of knowledge stuff. I'm going to trust for the supernatural because obviously that was the devil speaking. So when he brings accusation, that's the redemptive purpose in which you want me to flow. The devil always overplays his hand. The devil always takes it one step too far because he wants you to believe that lie. But don't be captive by the lie. Be captive by your sufficiency in Christ. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. Will you stand with me? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.